Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to the brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com and the Pewter Report podcast. want to thank everybody for joining us on today's show. It's a very special one because it was the first day of Bucks OTAs, and with so much change this offseason, it was our first look at Baker Mayfield. At quarterback for the Bucs, obviously dealing with Kyle Trask. We've seen Kyle Trask before. We saw Tristan Wirfs over on the left side of the offensive line at left tackle. Dave Canales coaching up some of the star players. So a lot of great stuff to get into. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is my fellow co-host and the man that runs PewterReport.com, SR, Scott Reynolds. And Scott, there's going to be a, a new look Bucks team this year, whether it's just new wrinkles on offense, new personnel that everyone has to uh, work together with or just learning a new offense in general. Yeah, and really we got to look at this new offensive line. I think that's really where it all, all starts. There's going to be a new quarterback. We know that. Tom Brady is gone. He's retired. Heck, he's back in the NFL trying to yeah. buy a piece of the, of the, <laughs> the Las Raiders. Vegas Raiders. So um, there won't be any Brady coming out of retirement. This is going to be either Baker Mayfield's team or Kyle Trask's team. And we got to look at those guys today. But first, let's spend some time on this offensive line. Uh, no surprises along the line in terms of of where the players were lining up. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, we we reported, I think it was at the Senior Bowl or maybe it was at the Combine, that he would be moving to the, the left side playing left tackle unless they drafted an offensive lineman who played left tackle in college. There was some interest in Anton Harrison, but not enough. And, and certainly, Kalaja Kansi was the pick in the first round for Tampa Bay. So Luke Gedeke moves from left guard back to his right guard, right tackle position, where he was yeah. a two-year starter at Central Michigan. Cody Mock, the rookie, ends up at right guard. We didn't see Ryan Jensen today. He was not there, but we saw a very familiar face manning that spot, as he did all last year, Robert Hainsey, at the center spot. And then a brand-new guard, at Matt Filer, at uh, at the left guard spot that was split between Luke Edeke and and also Nick Leverett last year. But, Matt, the biggest change for me was just the size of this offensive line. We we heard Dave Canales talk about it and Harold Goodwin and Joe Gilbert a couple weeks ago when the coaches were talking to us in the press conference. But to see this offensive line, uh, boy, it it's impressive looking. We'll see how they end up playing. But just, you know, as, as the old expression goes, you know, getting off the bus, yeah. this, this is a bigger offensive line when you look at Matt Filer, 6'6", 330 pounds compared to Nick Leverett last year. And then you've got, you know, even Cody Mock, 6'5", 305 pounds, much taller and bigger than, than Shaq Mason. It's really noticeable at the guard spots more than anything. Yeah, Scott, even the backups look huge. Like, we, we you and I were watching together when Tristan Wurst was just working on, like, walkthrough drills with Justin School. Uh, his last name's S-K-U-L-E. Yeah, and like Skule was the biggest guy out of all of them, which was the uh, which was the really funny part. So yeah, yeah, just visually the Bucks look absolutely bigger. Matt Filer, gigantic size. Tristan Wirfs, one of the best in the league. Um, you also felt that Luke Edeke got bigger as yeah. well. I'm not in that camp just yet. I need like a side by side picture. I think <laughs> I think Luke is working and and getting in the right direction. I don't know like how much bigger he is yet because there's a couple other guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that I think 
noticeably were in much bigger shape uh, one way or another. But yeah, it's very exciting to see what's going to go on with the offensive line this season. We're not going to sit here right now and be like, oh, wow, well, they made all these great improvements and adjustments. They have made adjustments. Now, will they pay off? That's obviously the big right. question. Tristan Wirfs, I think we both feel most comfortable about because he's just a great offensive tackle. He's yeah. moving from the right side over to the left side. Matt Fyler, and you know what? Well, and sir? I was going to say, let me, let me stop you there on, on yeah. Wirfs. And, and he's even bigger than Donovan Smith, right? I mean, look, yeah. Donovan was a big guy, you know, 6'4", 6'5", maybe 330 pounds. Tristan Wirfs, 6'5", 345 pounds. I mean, it, it's legit. It, it, the thing is, is he's more massive and and stronger than Donovan Smith, who, you know, some would say maybe didn't have the best body. But Tristan Wirfs, I mean, holy smokes, he is just – he's a tank is what he is. Yeah. And so I think really from left tackle all the way to to really right tackle, uh, that's really where they downsized because Lou Gedeke only 6'5", about maybe 320 yeah. pounds. Wirfs obviously bigger, but it's just a, a bigger, more impressive-looking unit across the board. And we'll see – you know, this is all on paper right now. We'll see how it, uh, you know, it, it plays out in training camp in the preseason. Yeah, and these players aren't wearing pads or anything like that. So if you are expecting – huge analysis about the offensive line and how they yeah. got a huge push against the defensive line. Unfortunately, that's uh, not exactly how it's going to look, but there is still a lot of importance, especially with the new offense this year, just all the linemen being on the same page with the zone blocking Cody mock, obviously learning from really everyone around him. It doesn't yeah. matter. I was going to say Ryan Jensen, but Ryan Jensen was not there, but even yeah. like learning from someone like Robert Hainsey, who's going into his third year or, yeah. Tristan Wirfs, obviously, a different position, but still still of importance. Uh, Wayne ha Hankinson asking, uh, when do the practice pads come on? That's not for quite a while. I can't remember. Yeah. It, it's really after the, the first three or four days of training camp is yes. really when they yeah. put the pads on. So it's even when they go to training camp, the first couple of days, it's an acclimation process where it's essentially really, Matt, three more days of mini camp or OTAs, yeah. however you want to look at it. And then they put the pads on. They typically will, will report like on a Friday. It'll be the first practice. They have Friday, Saturday, Sunday without pads. And then they go to pads on Monday. That's typically how it is. So it's yeah. it'll be in training camp, but but the first couple of days of training camp will be more like OTAs and minicamp. Mark Fisher with the comment says, Gedeke is the biggest worry. Uh, I would have to agree with that. You can have some questions about Ryan Jensen coming off his knee injury. I think yeah. that's absolutely fair, but get a key. And this kind of tr trickles down to Cody mock as well, even though it's not Cody's fault at all, but you know, get came in with the same type of attitude. His nickname was the glass eater, right. you know? So that, that shows that you're hard nosed and you're ready to get after it. I don't want to bash him too much because he also, uh, quote tweeted our Instagram story today. So shout out to Luke. Yeah, for that. Um, but, you know, he made the transition. He played offensive tackle in college. He goes to guard. It doesn't work out at guard. And now he's at right tackle. Why? Because he earned it or because the Bucs don't really have any better options? I think it's the latter right now. I agree. The Bucs just don't have any better options. So yeah. Luke Gettick. And he's a second-round pick, man. He's got to kind of justify his his place, right? I mean, he's got to yeah. justify that draft no, pick. 100%. And he felt more comfortable there in week 18 playing that position he played in college. So it, it makes sense. Again, on paper, it makes sense. 
Yeah. We'll see how it actually plays out. We did hear Joe Gilbert say he has made some strides in pass protection. Mm-hmm. And that was an area that I think he probably struggled in a little bit, especially with this pass sets. It's one thing to be able to, you know, to punch and step with your right hand after years of doing it. Then you have to go on the left side and it's the opposite hand you're stepping and punching with in pass protection. That can get a little tricky. So uh, I'll say this. If, if Luke Gedeke can't do it this year in this environment, playing a position he's more comfortable with, Matt, I, I don't know that his future is going to be as an NFL starter if it's not this year. Right. And that kind of leads me to my next point with Cody Mock, even though it's not on him. And the Bucks have had success with drafting a college offensive tackle, kicking him inside to guard, and done right. pretty well. We, we've seen that time and time again. Ali Marpet, most notably, Alex Kappa as well. But they also just did that with Luke Gedeke. So penciling him in as the starter, he's going to have to earn it. You know, he's going to compete with Darren Stinney, Robert Hainsey as well. And I think Hainsey is definitely that that really good uh, insurance policy in case things go wrong. Nick Leverett as well. I don't want to leave him hanging. But to just assume that Cody Mock is going to, you know, not run into the same issues that Luke Gedeke did the season before, I, I would say is a little bit naive so i don't want to sound too negative about the bucks offensive line yeah adjustments need to be made i think if if everyone hits the right key essentially or hits the right tone with the where they can reach their potential or right. or what the overall ceiling is for them i think this offensive line could be great because you restore that confidence in luke Etiki. you got a young and up-and-coming offensive lineman in the second year um obviously with cody a lot of excitement around tim what he can do yeah getting to the second level as a run blocker and still needs to improve there. And we know what Jensen can do it yeah. when fully healthy and same thing with Tristan Wirth. So uh, there's a lot, the ceiling is very high for this Bucks offensive line, but I can also see it crumbling, especially on that right side with so much yeah. youth and inexperience. Um, so I don't want to say the, it's not a house of cards with this Bucks offensive line, but right now the concrete, is still drying up. It's not completely very well put, and, Matt. and it can fall apart easily. And you got to restart from yeah. the ground up, or it's all going to come together and it's going to be a solid group. Yeah, that, that's a very uh, accurate point. I think and the other thing too is the Bucks' fallback plan. If if there's some struggles on that right side, if Luke Etiky doesn't really man up at the right tackle position, then they could move Matt Filer from left guard to right tackle. And yes. then they could insert a player like Robert Hainsey or Nick Leverett at the left guard spot and, and kind of get away with that lineup there. So there are some options still. They're going to go with this, this first uh, uh, incarnation of the offensive line and see how it does when the pads come on in training camp and also during the preseason. And we'll see. And, you know, we're also speaking of the offensive line, we're going to have a chance to talk to Cody Mauck on yeah. Thursday night, 7 o'clock, join us uh, for a primetime edition of the Peter Report podcast. We're going to have the Bucks rookie second-round pick uh, talking to us about all things Buccaneers, about his dog Motley, about his love for Motley Crue and Taylor Swift. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a man of, of many musical interests, which is pretty cool. Uh, I love people that have diverse musical interests backgrounds yeah. um he you can know, play the violin of, as well so yeah well i just learned something new matt that's <laughs> outstanding i didn't know that yeah. um i bet you can also bash and break a, a violin too which is pretty cool he's a big dude six five three oh five so we'll have a chance to talk to cody mucks to be here thursday night for that seven o'clock p.m primetime show and don't forget about tomorrow's show either we have a, a great show on tap the bucks most intriguing second year player that's on tap for tomorrow night's show wednesday night seven o'clock 
p.m. Eastern time. We had a chance to look at Rashad White. At We talked to Kate Otten today. We have Logan Hall, who looks bigger uh, as advertised yes. um, in his pads today. So, again, as you aptly said, Matt, these offense and defensive linemen can't do much. There's not any real contact that's like you're playing patty cake when the ball is yeah. snapped. There's no pads on. There's no hitting allowed. But you can do the eyeball test, and we did that today across the board. And the conclusion was this defensive line um, is young. There's no Will yeah. Golston. There's no Akeem Hicks. Um, you know, it, it's it's a there's no of course Ndamukong Suey wasn't even there last year. It's a younger group with Logan Hall and Kalasha Kansi. Vita Vea wasn't there. Greg uh, Gaines, the newcomer, was there though today. We had, had a first look at him, but. Uh, in the trenches, offense and defensive line, we got a, a, a good chance to kind of do the eyeball test. And and some of these guys were really passing that eyeball test. So make sure that you stay tuned for the Pewter Report podcast tomorrow night at 7 p.m. as we talk about the Bucks' most intriguing second-year player. And who would that be? We'll find out tomorrow. Yeah, a couple of good options there for sure. Yeah, and speaking of that defensive line, as you said, Vita Bea wasn't there, but he just had a kid recently. So congratulations yeah. to Vita and his wife. And Sure, he's on a uh, dad duty right now. Yeah, and <clears throat> so uh, hold on, that, I, I, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a prediction. Vita Bay is gonna come in looking huge, just like last year, like the year before. Yeah. And we're gonna say, well, he's a little overweight and all that stuff. And then he's gonna report to training camp and be in really good shape because that's just kind of been the mo. He's a big guy naturally, so we're not gonna overreact if he comes in looking like he's close to 360 or something. Uh, big guys like that, they can shed some weight. Pretty quickly. They can shed that first 10, 15 pounds pretty quickly. Not going to worry about Vita Vea uh, this offseason. If he shows up in great shape, even better. But I, I anticipate when he does show up, whether it's for OTAs or the mandatory minicamp, that um, he might be a little on the heavier side. But uh, you know what? His absence there today, we got to look at CJ Brewer, the new defensive tackle signed from uh, the, was it the XFL yes. uh, that he was there? Mm -hmm. uh, Greg Gaines was also in attendance. Uh, Deidre Sanat. And of course, Logan Hall was there. Logan Hall looks like he's getting close. Yes, to Yes, so that was the one that we I was trying to allude to earlier when we talked about some guys that look big. Yeah, Logan Hall is definitely in shape and rip roaring and ready to go uh, for this season. I'm sure he's heard some of the criticism. I'm sure he knows that a Will Golston signing or re-signing, I should say, could dip into where his progress could be going this season. Logan yeah. Hall looks fit. He looks big. And uh, I'm more excited today about Logan Hall than I was 24 hours ago right? Um, with what Logan can really do. And that's kind of what we talked about, Scott, and just the concern for the defensive line after Vita Vea. Goal line, they're going to get absolutely pummeled because they just don't yeah. have that size, as you just talked about. When Dejan Sinat's your second biggest guy after Vita Vea, and he's a fringe. Well, probably Greg Gaines, but you Well, know, yeah, still. Greg Gaines as well, but he's <laughs> yeah. a new guy into the yeah. mix. Uh, you know, Dietrich's not a fringe 53-man roster right. player. So you need a little bit more than that. But Logan Hall, this team wants to get faster. That was the MO last year. It continued yep. to be the MO this season. Just the overall size, he checked that box. Uh, we'll see if he continues to keep that speed. But he was definitely, as as far as just like physical looks, was a, a standout box yeah. player. He was noticeably bigger. Alone. Than yeah. last year for sure. He's put in the work, and and that was that was good to see, right? Because he he really needs to to bulk up to be able to handle the, those double teams in the run game, especially. And um, you know, then he can use that quickness and the athleticism 
as a, as a pass rusher. But, uh, um, you know, no Shaq Barrett today. Uh, doubtful we see him anytime soon. Remember, uh, aside from the, the personal tragedy of, of losing his daughter in a very tragic um, event at his house, um, his, his younger daughter drowning in his pool is, is just absolutely crushing. Um, on top of that, you know, he, you know, he's coming off of, of an, uh, torn Achilles, right? So he's not even medically cleared to, to, to practice yet. Probably won't be until either the start of training camp or into training camp is my guess. So, uh, but we did see today, Joe Tryon Shoinka was out there. Anthony Nelson was out there. Yeah. Yeah. Diaby was out there as well as, uh, Jose Ramirez. So the Buccaneers did have a full complement of outside linebackers today. And, um, you know, they, they seem to be, you know, getting after it. I mean, Diaby's a, he's a physical specimen now, 6'3", 263 pounds, uh, probably even like a little thicker than Anthony Nelson, who's more of like, like a longer, leaner guy at 6'7", 275 pounds. But Diaby's just, man, he, he's like a freight train, man. He is fast and physical. And um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens when this guy puts the pads on because he really has that speed to power that I think JTS either lacks, Matt, or we haven't really seen him unleash that yet. And see, I think Joe Tron Schoenke at 6'5", 265, I think he has it. And I think he's really going to benefit from George Edwards' tutelage because there were some yeah. times last year where, you know, I, I just know this just from coaching my, my Pop Warner defensive ends back in the day. It's like you have to engage the tackle. You can't you can't run around and try to use your athleticism and speed. Um, you have to take an arc to get to the quarterback, Matt, right? That's mm -hmm. obvious. But at the same time, um, that arc needs to be uh, almost more like a flat line than, than a curve. And I think that, that he tried to curve out a little too much and yeah. run around people. And, and, and then he got – you know, kind of taken around the quarterback too many times. You got to attack that outside shoulder of the tackle, whether it's the left tackle or the right tackle. Attack that shoulder and narrow the path to the quarterback. In this day and age, Matt, there's no more seven or nine step drops. It's you're you're rare to have a quarterback take a five step drop. Yeah. It's three steps and out. You got to get there, and he has the speed to do it, but he's got to bring more power to do it. And from what we saw, even with a couple of reps where, you know, I think Yaya Diaby and that rookie minicamp got a little overzealous, you could see him push the tackles back a little bit. And he's going to bring that that speed to power game. And I want to see JTS kind of unleash that too a little bit. Yeah, it feels like Joe Tryon-Chanka takes a little bit of the scenic route where it's like, yes, yeah. you do. You have to go yeah. to the outside. But it doesn't mean once you go to the outside, like the, the offensive tackle's outside shoulder, yeah. you don't have to keep going around. You can kind of – that's why they talk about bend yeah. and things like that. You right. gotta almost you gotta cut the corner. Yeah. Right. Or then use and a there. club rip and just get rid of the guy and, and right. clear your path exactly. to the quarterback. And how many times did we talk about that? JTS and he led the team in quarterback hits, but it was a half a second too late. And that's something where that half a second really comes that's into right. play big time. And yada yada Diaby, he got into the backfield today too. Now I'm not gonna put a ton of stock in that. They're right. not wearing pads. We don't know the exact play, but I just do remember we're watching. I go, hmm, Yaya's in the backfield already. All right. Yep. Not not a bad start by any means. I think Yaya's really going to push the rest of the group, not out of fear of losing their job. You know, uh, yeah. JTS still going to get a lot of playing time. Shaq's going to get a lot of playing time. But when you see a newcomer step in right away and, and start yep. making noise and making an impact on this team, you go, okay. 
All right, you think you can do that? Well, this is what I can do. So right. uh, I think Yaya is going to really help boost the whole group. Because I the agree. last two years with Jason Pierre-Paul playing injured and being in and out of the lineup and then him not being there last year, you know, Shaq's a leader on this team, and he kind of goes about things his own way. Right. But it's it's almost like the outside linebacker group was in a little bit too much of a – like they felt a little too secure with their role. It's like, all right, it's the three of us and Carl Nassibin last year. No, 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 no. Not this year. Yaya's yeah. coming in. He wants to disrupt. He wants to get playing time. Right. And damn it, Todd Bowles is going to give it to him if yes, he earns he is. it. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. And and I think the great thing, too, is is I'd love to see Yaya Diaby have enough of an impact to get some playing time early because all that's going to do is keep JTS or Shaq Barrett fresher for the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, we, we've seen, we've seen kind of like the staticness of – Shaq and JPP during that Super Bowl run, right? And even during parts of the 2021 season where they kind of forced uh, JPP on the field, right? Yeah. And and um, and even though they had just drafted JTS, uh, they were really kind of hesitant to use him, used him inside as a nickel rusher some. and yeah. didn't really help his game as an outside rusher. But I really like the fact that you've got – uh, a young player that that I think has the the talent and the ability and the hunger to get in there and push these guys because the more reps in quarters one through three that Yaya Diaby gets, let's say he's on the field for twelve or fifteen snaps, right? And he's resting J, uh, JTS, he's resting Shaq, and in giving them a little bit fresher legs in the fourth quarter, that's when you want to hunt. Yeah. If you have the lead or if it's a close game and you have to get after the, after the passer. You got to be fresh in the fourth quarter, just like running backs, Matt. When you have the lead, that's where the, the 60 yard running back uh, performance turns into a 100 yard day, right? Is the fourth quarter runs. Yeah. That's where you're getting force fed the ball to hammer uh, the opponent and salt away the win. Same thing with pass rushers. The sacks come in the fourth quarter when you have a lead or it's a close game and the other team is, has to pass the ball to try to get into scoring range. That's when those sacks pile up. And I really think that if if this team can can get a, a more of a lead than they had last year in a lot of games, mm-hmm. uh, adding another pass rusher like Yaya Diaby and Anthony Nelson, who I thought made strides last year, right? Five and a half sacks, yeah. three forced fumbles. It's only going to help this pass rush unit. And gosh forbid if there's any injuries. Yeah, we saw Nelson and JTS have to play every single snap of like the last three games just due to, to injuries to Carl Nassib. And and Jannard Avery and, and obviously Shaq Barrett. So um, the more pass rushers, the merrier for Todd Bowles. There's no question about it. And the, the last thing you just referenced, they had to play every single snap out of necessity. But I don't know why the Bucks kind of subscribe to this notion that every single one of their players at every position has to play every single snap. Like it was thought, it was like what we were talking about on yesterday's show with. Inside linebacker, it's okay if Levante David gets like a break or two. Now, sure, there's some positions yes. you're not going to sub out an offensive lineman. You're not going to take out the quarterback and, and give right. the quarterback a rest. Same thing with defensively. I don't want Carlton Davis to ever call, come off the field. I don't want Jamel Dean to ever come off the field right. in that corner. But there are some positions where you can get away with it. Edge rusher is absolutely right. one of them. You just talked about inside linebacker. And I mean, running back, of course, is like the biggest one where. 
everyone's accepted that there's going to be a rotation. And right. even the Bucks were so damn ignorant last year. Leonard <laughs> Fournette was getting like 85% of the snaps. I know. It took like halfway through the year to be like, hey, can you play Rashad White a little bit? One, because he's a good player. And two, you're going to lose Lenny for the rest of the year because you're playing him at an unremarkable rate. So for all of a sudden to... You know, Byron like, Leftwich just didn't he just didn't trust young guys. That was part of the problem. Is, yeah, sure. is you had you had people in the building, and you can probably guess who they are yeah. that wanted to see more Kate Otten, that wanted to see more Rashad White. And uh remember when when Cam Brait was was out of action due to the neck injury, then the concussion? Yeah. We saw Kate Otten just take off in this offense. And then as soon as Kate, uh, Cam Brait came back late in the season. It's like all of a sudden, where did Kate Otten go, right? I mean, and, and it's a shame because he was a better player than than Cambrate was yeah. at the end of last season. He was a rookie who was coming on, and the more reps that they gave to Cambrate, it just stunted the growth of Kate Otten. And the same thing with Rashad White. Is it we saw him yeah. start like a couple of games? We saw him start the the Cowboys playoff game, and and Fournette ends up getting most of the carries. We saw him start out there in Arizona on Christmas night. Now Fournette had a had a one of his better days that game. But if you look at the average of both of those players, Rashad White was off to a great start in that Cardinals yeah. game. All of a sudden, Byron Lefwich decides to just continue to go with the veterans, even though they're not the ones that were making the yards. It's just poor player mismanagement. That's really what it is. And, you know, that falls on Todd Bowles a lot too, because Todd isn't afraid to play the young safety or the young defensive back. And I don't want to hear, oh, Byron's going to Byron, and that's why Rashad didn't get this. Dude, you're yeah. the head coach. Like, I you agree. get to make the call at the end of the day. So you can't just be like, ah, oh, well, I didn't, dis- I didn't agree with Byron there, but this is what we kind of went with. You know what? I- I'll say this about-, about him, very similar to Tony Dungy. Uh, defensive-minded head coaches, and they-, they were very reluctant. Dungy was the same way with all of his offensive coordinators, whether it was Mike Shula, whether it was Les Steckel, whether it was Clyde Christensen. They just wash their hands of, of the offense and, hey, you handle the offense. You're the offensive coordinator. That's your yeah. role. And, and I, I'm with you, Matt. I don't think that's the approach. You're still the head coach of the team. If you're the head coach, the offense is still your responsibility, yeah. even if you're the guy calling plays for the defense. You have to step in and maybe step on some toes and say, no, Byron, no. Right. We're not running Leonard anymore. He's got 12 carries. He's averaged less than three yards. The rest of the game, we're going with Rashad White. And Todd Bowles didn't do that, and honestly, he should have at certain times. But you know what? It seems like or it's early, but man, this Dave Canales guy—he seems so in sync with how Todd Bowles wants to play yes. complementary football, right? I think the best thing Todd Bowles said about Dave Canales is that he's smart enough to know that he doesn't know everything, and that's, that's right. tough for some coaches, yeah. including myself, talking <laughs> w- about himself. W- was that a little bit of a shot though towards Byron Leftwich? It can be perceived that way. I'm not saying Todd was firing shots, but right. I think Todd has said that before too, but uh, yeah, he loves how Dave Canales is, is a teacher out there. And I think you see that all the time. You know, he was doing it with the rookie quarterbacks during Bucks rookie minicamp. None of them made the team, but you saw him talking one-on-one with Baker. He did the same with Kyle Trask. He's very loud. You hear him everywhere. Um, He brings a ton of energy to this team. And that's why I have dubbed him the human Celsius. And of course, if you want to drink Celsius, please make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. Could it, it is the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. 
We absolutely love Celsius. Make it your number one pick when you're choosing an energy drink. They got so many different flavors, as you can see. The Oasis Vibe is one of the newest ones out there. Can't go wrong with sparkling lemon lime or sparkling orange either. Some of the best flavors around. Arctic Vibe is my personal favorite, and I also rock with the strawberry lemonade a lot. But uh, zero sugar, no uh, post-energy drink crash or jitters that you might get with uh, another product out there. So go to the store locator on the Celsius website, punch in your address, and it will give you an exact location of where you can get a Celsius so energy drink. Very helpful. Scott just did it while he was in, I was about to say Carolina, but you weren't there. Uh, you were in Colorado. Scott yep, did it when Denver. he was in Colorado and Denver. Go Nuggets. We did it when uh, we were in Indy for the NFL Combine. Yep. So it really doesn't matter where you are in this world. Just go to the Celsius website, find out where to get one near you, your local Walmart, Target convenience store, or your bodega. Bodega. And then, of course, if you want to get it in bulk, go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save, and uh, get the variety pack, because variety is the spice of life. So get as many Celsius as you possibly can and or want. Have it sent to your house or apartment whenever you want it. Weekly, monthly, quarterly, whenever. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. And, of course, we were just talking about Dave Canales uh, he's going to be, at the end of the day, it's Todd Bowles' job, but we'll see if yeah. the defensive coach doesn't want to intermingle in the, the offense. It's almost like coaches, defensive coaches, like, all of a sudden they just forget what the offense is because they become <laughs> right. the head coach. And that's why you see less and less defensive coaches at, as mm -hmm. head coaches. And hopefully, uh, no pun intended, Todd Bowles will buck that trend. Yeah. But to get back to Dave Canales, he obviously will be one of the head guys residing over the quarterback competition between yep. – Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. And of course we've seen Kyle Trask over the past couple of seasons. So it was very exciting just to see Baker as we got a picture of Baker up on the screen there, just to see him in a Bucks uni rocking the helmet. We've seen pictures in the creamsicle practice Jersey or orange yeah. practice Jersey, whatever you want to call it. Throws um, a good ball, man. He's, he's mobile. He throws a good ball. I think yeah. he's a great fit for this, this uh, system. One thing that jumped out at me, Matt was after years of seeing the, the room of giant quarterbacks, right? Yeah. The all pocket passers, the Tom Brady 6'5", Kyle Trask 6'5", 6'4", Blaine Gabbert. God, what a handsome man he is. And uh, and Ryan Griffin 6'4". Uh, now all of a sudden this quarterback room is like 6'5", Kyle Trask, I'm the Giants, right? And you've got 6'1", <laughs> Baker Mayfield. And John Wolford, who maybe is like 5'11". It's it's different. It is, it's, it's a different – Stark contrast to what it was in years past. And and we saw today, no surprise, we're not giving away any trade secrets here, folks. If you want to look at the Bucks' new offense, go back and look at Seattle, what they've done the last couple of years. It's modeled after that. There'll be new wrinkles and tricks and and whatnots uh, in, in that scheme of things that Dave Canales is doing, taking the Bucks personnel along with those schemes from Seattle and kind of whipping up a new Buccaneer offense. But we saw a lot of waggles and bootlegs and quarterback runs and things like that that we haven't seen. We're used to seeing the static pocket with the quarterback right in the middle of it. But boy, there were some rolling pockets today. A lot of a lot of movement. Yes. Uh, a lot of a lot of movement from the quarterbacks. A lot of throwing on the run, which is something that we just didn't see unless Tom Brady was running for his life having to throw the ball last couple of years, Matt. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's true. And even with the blocking scheme too, with the Bucks going to a zone blocking type of direction this year it you see the motion with that too yeah. just the overall difference of direction so for Mayfield and Trask again 
just working with new receivers. Not the, not even every receiver was there. Um, Chris Goblin was, was around, but no yeah. Mike Evans, no Russell Gage. We're not again. We're not going to sit here right now and say Baker has won the job because he did right. this today, or Trask was exceptional when he was when he was doing that. Baker threw a pretty good deep ball. I'll say that he had a couple yep. of good deep ball throws down the field. Trask didn't do anything that should prohibit him from continuing to compete right. for the job. It was just you know good to see them out there. Really, yeah. a small wide receiver group outside it of Chris really Godwin. Is. That was your other uh, observation that we were yeah. talking about. I mean, outside of Chris Godwin, it's you know, mostly guys that are six one or or even less. Like even Trey yeah. Palmer is six one. I wouldn't say he looked small, but uh he's about 192 pounds, you know. Yeah, it's, you don't yeah, have yeah, a towering Chris, group. Right. Chris Godwin, maybe close to two ten. Uh David Moore, former Seattle Seahawk, listed at six yeah. foot two twenty. He's kind of a stockier guy, almost has like a running back build out there at receiver. But uh outside of that, it's it's a it's a smaller group. I mean, Kalen Geiger is still here. Was he five nine? You've got maybe five eight. Then you got five foot seven, Devin Tompkins. So it, it's a small wide receiver group. K dot or uh, not K dot. K Warner, six one two oh five. You know he's got kind of a slight build too. Uh, but without Mike Evans, I mean, there's no Julio Jones, who was a much bigger receiver, six three six four two hundred twenty pound guy. Um, it, it's it's a smaller group, but it, but it has some speed. That's one thing Baker Mayfield talked about was was how fast this group was. And uh, it's going to be more of a horizontal offense, Matt. It's not going to be as vertical. Yeah. They're going to take some vertical shots, but a lot of this is is crossing routes. A lot of it is is uh, you know the quarterback rolling out uh, some play action and hitting guys uh, open. Um, I, I'm not sure if it was Kate Otten or if it was Baker Mayfield that just said easy completions. This, this offense is built around easy completions, easy pitch and catch. And, uh, and that's why Dave Canales has said so often that just don't turn the ball over. This, yeah. this is a quarterback-friendly system that is designed to get those easy completions, use a lot of misdirection, um, and, uh, and just move the chains and then make some big plays, hit some play-action passes down the field. There is a vertical element to it, but it's not like this Bruce Arians offense where it's, it's where just it's so much vertical. vertical. Exactly. Yeah, and – some simple routes, but like even during warmups, there were routes where again it was like more horizontal, five yards, making a right or a left, and yeah, they would complete the pass there. And I found myself thinking, I don't even remember the Bucks at all, even in just warmups running these routes. So you already right. see like a, a new wrinkle there. Oh, uh, we did get to. Oh, it, well, I was I was yeah. gonna say one thing real quick, just on your point there. Um, you know, it's, it was either vertical routes or it was a lot of these comebacks and curls, yes. right, or or the outs to the sidelines. And really, you know, that was kind of maybe the frustrating thing about John Gruden's offense too. And and there was some there was some West Coast concepts a little bit in that Arians offense, even though it was more vertical. But um, when when you're catching the ball with your back to the end zone, right, whether it's a comeback, a curl, whether it's you know an out, you're catching the ball towards the sidelines. Those routes are not designed to get yards after catch. And I think a lot of these routes that have a, a lot of movement, whether it's a mesh concept or whether it's it's yeah. crossing routes, uh, shallow crossers, um, you know, shallow skinny posts, uh, they're designed to get receivers on the move with their hands on the ball where they can then do something after that. And, um, and I think that's what's going to be a little bit of, of an exciting thing is so many of these are, are uh, shorter more intermediate routes, but they have the potential with, with one little move for these receivers to do something after the catch. 
It could be a seven-yard pass that ends up being a 20-yard gain. And yeah. the name of the game for the Bucs in this offense, besides score a lot of points, is just get the wide receivers open. I mean, how many times, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin included, how many times did we see either an extremely difficult catch or an incompletion on third down because the defenders were right, right. on top of them? And, you know, they're great wide receivers. They can win routes, but why do they have to struggle every single time just to yeah. win a route when you can set them up where, you know, pick routes, rub routes, all different stuff, meshes like you were just talking about. You can go that route and still be successful, and there's no shame in it. You know, That's it's right. almost like, oh, you, you didn't earn it enough. So, uh, yeah, Darius Miller said, Baker mentioned in his presser that Gage had an injury. Any idea what happened to Gage? So Not sure. <laughs> There is, uh, I, I was looking at some things on Twitter as well. There is a possibility that maybe Baker was talking about how Russell Gage got hurt last year and he just yeah. kind of didn't say it the right way. And was, But he also could have just broke some news that Russell Gage got hurt last right. week. Well, actually, yeah, so we spoke to Baker um, after practice today, as we did with Chris Godwin as well. We have some video of Baker and Chris Godwin. Um, also got to speak to Kate Otten and obviously – um, head coach Todd Bowles as well. Yep. well uh, let's play a couple videos. Let's do it. Baker Mayfield, just talking about the new offense, what it's like, how it's going to look. And uh, and then we'll get into him talking about the wide receivers. Just getting timing down. Uh, it just Not just for, for me and, and the quarterbacks, but just everybody getting the system down, getting the fundamentals down. Um, and that's that was the best part about how uh, Dave wanted to come in and install this offense is really take it slow, make sure that we have all the details and, and the foundation of what we want to be. Um, everybody's on the same page. And so I think that was the best part about what we've done up to this up to this point to now prepare ourselves to be ready to compete. Because, um, yeah, it, it just seemed like everybody was on the same page when we went out there. And, you know, when you get the live bullets flying for, for the first time, a lot of times it can seem a little messy, uh, especially with the younger guys for the first time. But it, it was very organized and, uh, yeah, limited pre-snap penalties and things like that. You know, there's always room for improvement, but uh, for a first day, uh, I think because of how they installed the offense, it was, it was pretty good. Uh, moving around, moving the pocket, but not only, you know, do I enjoy that, but our offensive line is over too. It, it keeps the, you know, the snap and the launch point uh, for us in a different place to keep the defense um, just caught off guard a little bit. So it, it makes makes it easier for everybody when you're running up to run the pass as well. And it's just a good system overall. And this next video, he's talking about working with these wide receivers. And the second part of the video, he's talking yeah. specifically about Mike Evans. Yeah, uh, honestly, I'm truly impressed. Uh, I mean, obviously, we, we got two great veterans. Um, and then, obviously, we, Russell had a little bit of an injury last week. But uh, he, he was doing really well before that. And then, yeah, we have, we have a ton of speed, a lot of young speed. And so, um, just trying to get these guys to... Uh, you know, find find their roles and, and find their place in the system because you know we talk about the speed that we have. Our, our tight ends can roll as well, and so um, yeah, we're, we're excited about what we can what we can be with all the weapons we have. He's a great guy, first and foremost, a, a true competitor. Um, I think people disregard he's a, obviously a taller receiver, longer guy, but uh, he he can still move. His his speed is uh, it'll catch you off guard. So um, it's he's a special player. Obviously, has been for a long time, and so I'm excited to. Get to you heard him talk about it. Speed, yep. speed, 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 speed. So even though uh, the wide receivers aren't that tall right now, besides Chris Godwin and when Mike yeah. Evans gets back, uh, as long as this team has speed, they'll be okay. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, you look at Seattle, they had DK Metcalf, obviously a big wide receiver, kind of like Mike Evans, different body type, different receivers, but still size. You know, uh, the, DK was the biggest guy there in Seattle. 
yeah, Tyler Lockett, a very slight guy, but very speedy. And I think the Buccaneers have some some players like that 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 can can get deep and and uh, you know I think they're very excited about Trey Palmer, and rightly so. He he's a blur man. He's he's pretty fast out there. It's different, you know, different look from number ten. I think he's faster than Scotty Miller, and I think he's going to be one of those guys that that has a chance to really burst on the scene and and make some big plays. That's what they're they're counting on. Um, yeah, yeah it, it, it is. It's a young group. Um, it's it's even younger at the tight end position, Matt. I mean, <laughs> Kate Otten was Kate talking Otten's to the veteran. <laughs> he's the veteran. Yeah, he, he's got the most playing experience out of anybody in the Bucks tight end room. Co'Keefe, the close second. Both those guys were rookies last year. They drafted Payne Durham, and then there was another guy today, Tanner uh, Tala, who made a huge downfield catch from Kyle Trask, kind of a, a bomb, one of the few shots we actually saw down the field today. But he caught a touchdown pass in the, the back corner of the end zone. A great bomb by by Trask and and six foot six Tanner Tala went up and got it. So they have some intriguing players at the tight end position. We saw a lot of you know twelve and thirteen personnel again, not giving away trade secrets because Seattle has run that. Dave Canales has talked openly about that, and uh, they're going to play to the team's strengths. If it ends up being a lot of twelve or thirteen, then they feel good about the tight end position. If it, if, if it's going to be a little bit more. 11 personnel where they're going to go with more three wide receiver sets and one tight end, then, then it means that the receivers are the really ones that are moving the chains and, and playing well on offense. I think the Bucks tight end group is going to be pretty productive this season, but it's going to be tight end by committee. Like, yeah. yes, Kate Otten will be the number one tight end, Payne Durham most likely too, but I don't think you're going to see like a whopping – difference in like overall receiving yards right. it's not going to be like 800 for Cade right. and then the next closest is like 200 for Payne Durham I think like you'll see Cade with about I don't know like 650 and then uh, you know Payne Durham's about at about like 450 and they kind of split up the number of of touchdowns and things like that each tight end player is going to have their role I wouldn't yeah. be shocked at all if one or two of the guys competing right now ends up on that practice squad but yeah it is so funny just to have and uh, Coach Van Dan, the tight ends coach, uh, spoke about this a couple weeks ago. They're the youngest tight end room in the league. Like, how many yeah. other teams can say are not just one, but two? Yeah, second year tight ends are right. the uh, are the longest tenured uh, players in that group. So it should yep. be exciting. Didn't see a ton from Payne Durham today, but again, right. it's one practice. It's not the yeah. end of the world. It, and there's there's no substitute for experience. And and this group is very young, but but by the end of the season, it's going to be a pretty exciting group moving forward into 2024, I think, because, the, you know, they're going to make some mistakes. Their, their youth and inexperience is going to show up at times. But uh, I, I feel pretty good about the talent level uh, in this group. And we saw Coquif make some some pretty remarkable catches, too. It's not usually his forte. Yeah. But, man, you give that dog a bone, he's he's not going to let go of it. I mean, he will catch the ball. And, and I saw the Buccaneers tweet out one on a pass from Baker Mayfield where he – I think it was during the individual pills uh, passes. It was a, a deep pass yeah. that he caught and kind of did a somersault at the very end. Uh, so he's got some sneaky athleticism. And I, I think that this overall unit is, is going to be uh, better than people expect. And as Shaggy says, hit that like button, hit that the thumbs up for us. We really appreciate all you pewter people that are hanging with us during the soft season. I know we had a, a great run during free agency in the draft. Um, you know, pewter report hit four, of uh, of our Bucks best bets, and we're we're talking about some record. of those guys, yeah, a record, uh, you know, in the draft, and now we're getting into OTAs, 
And then the mini camp uh, is coming up in June, mandatory mini camp. And then it'll be training camp before you know it. So hang with us all summer. The Bucks coverage doesn't stop. We don't go on vacation. I mean, we do yeah. a little bit, but we always have a, a pewter reporter or two on staff ready to answer your questions in the Pewter Report podcast, uh, to comment on the latest happenings, and think of some interesting topics to kind of talk about as this 2023 season, which is going to be a very interesting one, rolls on. And one of the things I liked about uh, Baker Mayfield today is, and I think this should kind of endear him to Buccaneer fans who maybe got a little put off by some of his swagger and bravado in Cleveland. He started using some of that swagger and bravado to kind of defend Bucks Nation a little bit. Um, th- this is the offseason. Vegas is out. You've talked about it, Matt, the over-under for the Buccaneer win yeah. total, six and a half this year. A lot of people picking the Buccaneers dead last in the NFC South at the bottom of the NFL. These power rankings are out. Baker Mayfield kind of stood up for Bucks Nation today. He did. Baker don't give a damn what the That's national right. media thinks. So uh, let's get to it. Um, I played in this division last year, and I'm pretty sure the Bucks won it still. So um, <laughs> I don't really care what the people in, in Vegas are putting odds on it because it's uh, it's May. We haven't we haven't played a real sound football. There's a long way to go before that, and uh, yeah, it's just the time of year where everybody's pretty bored and they don't really have much to talk about, and uh, it, it makes it fun. I tell you what, he had that little smirk though. Yep, he's got a chip on his shoulder, and I think there's a lot of people that have a chip on their shoulder, especially the guys from last year that were here, Matt. That that SK Dotton aptly put, uh, you know, kind of petered out at the end of the season, right? I mean, they they did not play their best football down the stretch. Chris Godwin talked about that as well. This is a hungry team, and it's time to be the hunter if you're the Buccaneers. So to me. Um, you take a team that has a bunch of, of holdovers from last year and saw that that season end the way that it did, getting their butts kicked out of Ray J by the Dallas Cowboys the way that they did. Um, you know, losing in Atlanta, it 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 kind of like slid downhill, even though they won the NFC South. A lot of players we've talked to said, eh, you know, it didn't really mean anything winning the South because of the way the season ended. You take that. And then you have a guy who's a journeyman quarterback all of a sudden like that, who was the face of the franchise in Cleveland. And within one calendar year, Matt, he's on the Cleveland Browns, the Carolina Panthers, the L.A. Rams, and now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he wants to prove to him himself and to the rest of the league he can still play and be a starting quarterback in this league. There's a lot of people with chips on their shoulders at one Buccaneer place. There really are. I believe Baker actually kind of talks about the fact that he's like, yeah, if you would have told me I would have been the number one overall pick and went to the Browns, I would have said, yeah, but you know, then other things happen. So yeah, it's just, if I was to tell you when I first got drafted that I was going to draw my career and I was going to end up in Cleveland, I probably would have told you that was how I was going to go, but uh, it's not how it shook out. That wasn't God's plan. So uh, on to the next thing. And, and this is a place that uh, has been very welcoming and I'm excited. Obviously it's a, it's a one year deal. Um, and I'm just trying to make the most of it one day at a time. And this is a great group that's just um, seems like a no BS. It's it's just from top down. It's all about winning, and that's that's the best part. Um, no distractions, no no other nonsense. It's just about uh, how can we get on the same page to, towards winning, and that's that's how you build a great franchise. That's why it is one. Now I do agree that there are players on this team that have, <laughs> have that have chips on their show. Yeah, I saw that comment from Tom before. Shout out, Tom. Yeah. Um, this next player I'm going to talk about. He definitely has motivation. I don't think he has a chip on his shoulder because he just doesn't strike me as like a spiteful guy. He's a very good-natured person. Yeah. I'm not saying anything bad about Baker. 
but Chris Godwin is a guy that's going to be extremely motivated for a number of reasons, obviously with the new quarterback and how the team performed last season. But he's, in his words, almost fully 100% from that knee injury last season. And, of course, he's also moving back to the outside. Yeah. So Chris Godwin was a guy that was re-energized. He was just so happy to be out there. Yes. He was like, I didn't get to do this last year because I was rehabbing my knee at the time. So I'm just happy to be around the guys. I'll play this video of Chris Godwin. I'm just talking about how his knee is feeling because a lot of us want to know that. And then um, we'll play uh, another video about just what he expects going into this new role. Here, kind of having all that behind you. And I assume that you got some needed rest and relaxation between the playoff loss and, and the OTAs. Yeah, man, it was um night day difference between, you know, last year and this year. Like you said, um, all of this time last year, I was inside doing rehab on my own. And, you know, it's, it's very long days and you kind of like watch out the window and, you know, it's like you're a kid that got in trouble and you're like watching all your friends outside playing, having fun. Um, so to be out here now, it's, it's a blessing. You know, it was a lot of hard work, but like you said, it took so much needed rest right after the season. Um, but I'm feeling really good. You know, I feel really good where, with where I'm at. And, um, you know, it's a fresh year, you know, fresh opportunities for myself and, you know, for all the guys around. Like, I feel like, you know, a lot of my explosion is coming back. You know, I feel very comfortable with the things that I'm working on. And, you know, it feels really good to be able to have the opportunity to work on my skill development this offseason as opposed to just working to, like, rehab an injury. And now Chris Godwin talking about moving to the outside, around the outside. Thoughts on playing more on the outside as a receiver as opposed to just always kind of being that slot guy you're preserving? I think it's really, it's just a different challenge for me, um, which is, uh, you know, how I've looked at it the last, you know, really since we started it, is it's, it's an exciting task for me because, you know, I get, it's a different perspective. And, and that's not to say that I didn't play outside in BA's offense or the previous offense because I, I don't play. Most of the years, I was kind of 50-50. Um, but I think that, you know, it's you know it's just a different task. It's uh, like a different vantage point. But it, it also gives me an opportunity, you know, to work on some different things. So I'm excited about it. Um, I'm excited to really, like, get to work, you know, a lot of my releases. I'm excited to get to work down the field. I'm excited to, to, to be, you know, a mentor to a lot of the younger guys, which is a weird role for me right now. Like, I'm used to being in here, and it's like 15, 20 guys that are older than me. And, and I walked in day one, and, like, some guys weren't here. So I was like... Man, I might be the oldest guy here, <laughs> you know, but it's weird because I still kind of feel young in my mentality you know, and like in my enthusiasm for the game. So, like I said, it's just different. That's Chris Godwin for you. Just again, yeah. overall enthusiasm of the game. And you heard Dave Canales talk about it the, a yeah. week or two ago, just how Chris Godwin has already, he's like a fish to water, just embracing being the veteran guy, being that mentor getting up and at him with the offense when everyone else is, is kind of learning. And it's cool to see Chris Godwin embracing this new chapter of his career, not, right. the, not the tail end of his career, not the final chapter, but just right. it's definitely a new era for Chris Godwin, whether it's having a new quarterback, a new offense, fully returning from this injury. It, it seems like he's really turned the page, and hopefully this next chapter is his best one yet. I think so. And we're going to be able to see Chris Godwin win more on the outside and in, in one-on-ones like he did maybe in that dirt cutter offense more so than, than the Bruce Arians offense. And yeah, Chris was lined up outside wide, Matt, quite a bit in Bruce Arians' offense, that Byron Leftwich play calling. But it was for a lot of wide receiver screens that usually went nowhere because yeah. they were so predictable. 
So uh, it's like, oh, Chris Godwin's lining up outside. The ball's going to go to him quickly. Let's swarm, right? That, that's it was very predictable. You and one other blocker for Chris. Exactly. Imagine that. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how how Chris takes to this, and and it's good to hear him. You know, having the opportunity to really get all the way back, and uh, you know, it was so tough because Chris did have to spend so much time in the offseason last year, rehabbing, 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 just to get ready for the start of the season. And he didn't have any time to really rest and recover. And now he's had that time. And I think he's feeling recharged and, and ready to go mentally and physically. That's a great thing. Boy, if if we can get to see the 2020 and the 2019 version of Chris Godwin again, that's going to be something. Uh, even the 2021 version before that knee injury was was pretty damn good. But, oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, if, if we can see that version of Chris Godwin back, this Buccaneer offense can really be even more explosive. And, and I think that, that uh, you know, him being that that kind of ambassador to uh, to the teachings of Dave Canales and, and being that veteran leader for all of those young receivers there in OTAs without Mike Evans there is, is, uh, is something that, that he really takes personally and takes a lot of pride in. It's something that I think would pay huge dividends. And uh, yeah. speaking about payments, getting money, if you want to manage your money, the best place to go and do it would be over at Immuni Financial. At Immuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. Uh, Matt, I made it to Colorado, man. It was fun. Ashley and I, we had a great time visiting some relatives. Uh, My Uncle Mike and Aunt Sandy down there in Woodland Park, Colorado. Then we spent some time in Denver. What a beautiful city that is. And uh, just enjoyed the Rockies. Went to Morrison. Colorado, which is home to Red Rocks Amphitheater. We saw Dermot Kennedy. It was a great show. What a great venue to see a concert. But you know what, folks? It was not a free trip. I mean, it costs money, right? And, and if you want to, to plan for anything from your legacy to your retirement to some trips some vacations, check with the folks at Immunity Financial. Make sure that, that you have your money where it needs to be so you can plan ahead and stay ahead. Uh, whether it's advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts for the kids, insurance. They've got 40 years of experience over at Immunity Financial, not just helping people in the Tampa Bay area, not just helping Floridians, but helping people all across the country. So if you're listening to this Future Report podcast, if you're watching us inside the continental United States, give Immunity Financial a call, have them double check Maybe you already have a financial person. It doesn't hurt to get a second opinion, folks. It's a free consultation. There's no obligation. Give Immuni a call at 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at immuni.com. That's right. Check it out, folks. And, of course, check out all of our work over on pewterreport.com. Please follow us on our social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at pewterreport. And then, of course, our YouTube channel, which you're on right now, is Pewter Report TV. We got a lot of great content. We already had some Baker stuff up, have a little more Baker, some Chris Godwin as well, and also various uh, content that goes up on our YouTube channel specific to that and some of our other social media. Of course, we've got a great show coming up tomorrow night at 7 p.m. The Bucks' most intriguing second-year player. We've talked a lot about the draft, and rightfully so. 
But don't forget about the guys that got drafted the year before going now into their second season in 2023. We'll talk a lot about Logan Hall, Zion McCollum, who made some plays today yeah, as well. Sure we'll get did. more into that on tomorrow's show. Uh, a couple of the other guys. And, of course, Thursday, very exciting. We're going to have Buck's second-round pick, Cody Mock, on the show. Going to be great to talk to him, get his uh, insight and just overall feelings about being in the NFL, playing in Tampa, starting on the offensive line, at least early on. And then, of course, uh, other fun questions that maybe aren't as specific and to the Bucks. Matt, I just checked my phone right here and just got confirmation. We have another special guest coming up next Wednesday. Bucks running back Rashad White is going to be joining the Peter Report podcast live at 7 p.m. So Cody Malk this Thursday, 7 p.m. There's not going to be a show next Monday because that's going to be Memorial Day. We will have a show next Tuesday that's going to cover next Tuesday's OTAs. Then Wednesday night, 7 o'clock p.m., join us again for Rashad White live here on the Peter Report podcast, Matt. Yeah, a lot of awesome things coming up. Uh, great, great guests lined up, which is always super fun. And, of course, great, great fans. Appreciate everybody love that's you, been Peter in people. the comments. Yeah. We absolutely love uh, the Peter people, and we appreciate all of you guys. So that's going to do it for us on today's show. For Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching, and we will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. It was fun to watch some football today. It was.